Although our logo is cute as hell, please be aware we deal with some truly heinous content in this podcast. Listener discretion is advised. Heinously yours. I am B. And I'm Talia. So we are going to discuss season 13, episode 3, Blood Brothers today. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'm actually really excited about the next two episodes because <laughs> they are <laughs> batshit crazy. They are what we have come, well, what I've come to love about SVU is just none of this could happen, but God, I'm glad they made an episode about it. <laughs> <laughs> You are welcome to speak for me on that one too. Like, I love how ridiculous, like, oh, like, especially little spoilers, but the next episode, so good. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Both of these, we'll get to it at the end of this one. This one's based on the Arnold Schwarzenegger love child thing from a few years back. Oh, I haven't um, heard of that. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I'm, so, so this I'm so one- stoked. <laughs> and the next one, but the next one isn't based on anything specifically either. So they've taken a lot of creative. Oh, I liberties. lost all. Yeah, definite liberties. <laughs> all right. <laughs> so recap: Blood Brothers. A seemingly Catholic school is watching one of those badly acted PSA skits done by students about the pressures of drinking and teen fucking. <laughs> Uh, a thirteen-year-old girl looks on with interest as a small boy watches her from a few rows back. The girl is suddenly in pain and passes out in the aisle, and the boy runs to check on her, shouting her name, Ella. Teacher nun. I couldn't work out if she was a teacher <laughs> or not. A name drops the boy Arturo and male teacher Mr. Cordova and asks Arturo, "What have you done?" <laughs> that was so random. <laughs> she was like, "What have you done?" That um, was really weird, wasn't it? <laughs> yeah, because like, why would? Why would they assume that he had done anything? Like, he was just running to check if she was okay. Yeah. What have you like, done? What did they expect this child from a few rows back to do? Like, did he take <laughs> out one of those little, like, gun things and shoot a tranquilizer yeah, into the back of her neck? It was so random. I, when, when stuff like that happens on SVU, I think that maybe they've cut out other scenes or other little bits that would mm. imply something because that didn't make any sense. So cut to the station and Cragen introduces Benson and Amaro to Monsignor Kiaga, who Amaro seems to know from the community. Cragen tells them a 13-year-old from the middle school is pregnant. Olivia asks the Monsignor if she has a boyfriend, to which he replies no, and then Cragen unsubtly tells the Monsignor that they will be talking to everyone in Ella's life, like a heads up saying, you got any skeletons, Monsignor? Like, he's very like, we'll be talking to everyone. And the Monsignor is pretty like, yeah, that, that's cool, man. Like, <laughs> like, yeah, you can't be too careful. And then he tells Amaro not to fuck up in fancy Latin. Cragen mm. seems to want to push Amaro and Benson to work together and suggests Amaro go with Olivia to talk to Ella. Olivia is against it and says the girl doesn't need two detectives, which is hilarious considering that when she was with Elliot, they would always interview little girls yes. together. She just doesn't like Amara. <laughs> <laughs> Cragen kind of kicks Benson in the ego when he implies that Amara's Spanish is, quote, slightly better than Olivia's and mm-hmm. that Ella lives with her Puerto Rican grandmother, which is an understatement. No offense to Mariska Hargate, but her Spanish is horrible. <laughs> 
<laughs> her Spanish is, how do I explain it? It's like she learned the gist of it and knows how to sound like she can speak Spanish. Have you watched the IT crowd? Yeah. You know when Jen pretends that she knows Italian just by making the sounds? Yeah. <laughs> That's what Marishka sounds like where like Ooh. if you don't listen closely you think that she can she can speak it but when you listen to what she's trying to say it's mm. very ending words with the wrong letter and stuff like it's just a very like it's it's like nails on a chalkboard when she does mm. <laughs> but you can under you can kind like if she was a tourist you would understand what she was saying because yeah. you you expect that kind of inlet that kind of spanish but it's really funny that amaro in real life the danny pino and the character in the show is a native spanish speaker mm. and she's insulted that he would know better spanish than her. <laughs> That's hilarious. Okay, cut to a walk and talk with Amaro Benson and Casey Novak. We, you haven't met Casey Novak ha- yet, have you? No, but now I'm worried that I've been conflating her with a completely different character. Because <laughs> who is Novak? Who, like- so Novak is, uh, so she was an ADA after Cabot left. So Cabot had a whole storyline where she faked her own death. <laughs> Because she had drug dealers after her. Uh And after she left, Casey Novak came in. Now, Casey Novak is... I'm not a particular fan of Casey Novak, but then in the later seasons, they've just made her, like, generic ADA. She left, I think, around season seven or eight because... She got too involved in a case and she pretended she had evidence that she didn't just to clear the case. And then um, and then she got disbarred. But okay. then she like clawed her way back and now she's just generic ADA. So this is embarrassing, but I think I have been conflating her and I think I thought that Novak was Cabot. Yeah. Yeah, I have in my notes talking about Cabot. So was Cabot not in this episode? She was not in this episode, no. <laughs> Oh, okay. Good to know. Good to know. I'm so good at this. So we're back to a walk and talk with Amaro Benson and Casey Novak, where they talk about Ella showing no signs of abuse and with her hymen intact and that Ella won't name who got her pregnant. Amaro steps up and asks for an opportunity to shine because he can speak Spanish and abuelitas love him or like grandmas love him. Mm. Novak asks if Amaro is Olivia's new partner and Olivia very staunchly says no, that she's just showing him the ropes. But it's funny because by the next episode, they're like besties. Mm -hmm. I had to listen to this bit over and over again because I couldn't quite tell what Amaro says. It sounds like he says, mejor en una sala de emergencia, but it sounds like the, the main gist of the conversation is thank God that nothing bad has happened to her but i'm like she's pregnant yeah (laughs) so what the fuck i found it really weird that they didn't translate everything literally they were just kind of paraphrasing Mm. and it reminds me of an episode much later on where there's a lower class boy going out with a higher class girl and they go speak to the boy's like grandmother as well i think and the grandmother um says oh that girl thinks she's the last coca-cola in the desert <laughs> yeah, that that's what that reminded me of. I found that hilarious and then the translation just said she thinks she's too good for everyone. And I'm like, "Oh, come on." <laughs> that was a cool joke. The original line is so much better. They could have literally translated it and it would have been fine. Like it's it's not I don't think that's even a saying to be honest. <laughs> so, I don't know what that was about. Anyway, so it's just Ella and her grandmother because Ella's mom died when Ella was five. Grandmother says her daughter was wild and pregnant at 15 and was trying to lead Ella away from that life. And to quote, find the right man, her prince. Mm. I've got a little barf emoji next to that. (laughs) (laughs) 
which uh-huh. we can't translate for audio, but just know. <laughs> <laughs> there you go. Olivia is having no luck getting who got Ella pregnant from Ella. Ella tries to convince Olivia that she's the next Immaculate Conception. Roll credits. Back at the station, the team gets the confirmation that Ella is eight weeks pregnant. They think it's someone she knows. Amaro mentions that Monsignor Kiaga cleaned house, but Cragen wants to play it safe and gets Munch to check out the priests at the school. Rollins and Finn talk to Ella's bio dad, who turns out to barely have any contact with Ella because Ella's grandmother never forgave him for impregnating her daughter. Dude doesn't even think Ella is his. Mm-hmm. Benson and Amaro go to the school. They talk to the nun teacher. The nun teacher says a fucking weird thing of losing the third year olds to the kardashians and lady gaga <laughs> i remember that that was yeah. so it's like a fucking line written by a boomer <gasps> she also says something that's kind of like ugh. she says oh ella was supposed to be one of the good girls mm. and olivia bites her head off and she's just like she's still a good girl exactly yeah <laughs> yeah which is true but also benson usually has more tact <laughs> But mm. she was full, <laughs> she was like full attack dog. And uh, Amaro saves the conversation as Benson becomes more aggressive. Olivia has been surly as fuck since Elliot left and it's starting to affect her ability to interview. The nun teacher tells them that Ella had been happier lately. The kids in her class tell Benson and Amaro that Ella was obsessed with the royal wedding, which presumably would be Kate and William. Mm. And everyone mentions how obsessed Arturo is with Ella and that Arturo has only been at the school for about six months. They go to Arturo's house where he's been sick with asthma but still keeps tabs on if Ella had been at school. Benson starts to trust Amaro by pretending she needs water so that Amaro is left to talk to Arturo by himself. Arturo tells him nothing before breaking out into an asthma attack. Mm Munch finds that the teacher, Mr. Cordova, is using a dead man's name, and Diego Ramirez is his real name, but he took over his uncle Luis Cordova's name after he died so that he could teach. Diego asks if he needs a lawyer because he's on the sex offenders registry, because he was 19 when he had sex with his nearly 17-year-old girlfriend on prom night and her dad narked on him. Mm. Diego went to jail and was beaten up so bad he doesn't have a good balance so he can't drive. Tried to get his name removed, but uh, lost all his money trying. Olivia is still convinced this bumbling dude is a pedo who got Ella pregnant. Munch makes a good point that there's millions of ways to get on the sex offenders registry with nearly no way to get off the list. Now, I just want to go through some of the fucking ridiculous ways that you can get on the list because America be crazy, (laughs) (laughs) y'all. So this is from the website cantulawrgv.com. And this is just some, this is just the surprising ways you can get on the registry list fucking any which way but these are just some of them that i I was like what the fuck so taking nude photos of yourself as a minor Mm. flashing or indecent exposure public urination public lewdness incest sexual activity between minors sexting as and with a minor soliciting prostitution displaying pornography in views of minors and hugging because because hugging Hugging feels like something that shouldn't be on that list. It does. I mm. think I think with that one we have spoken about before mm. and it was something if it's like a constant non consensual yeah. hugging. Like and that's understandable, but I don't see why that would constitute the sex offenders registry list. Unless the mm. hugging turns into like groping or something, you know? Yeah. 
But if it's just hugging, I think what we've spoken about before is, you know, there's a lot of people who are neurodivergent who are very tactile and they mm. don't mean it in a, in a sexualized way. They just want to hug people or that's how they communicate and stuff. Mm. That's really sad to think that there would be a bunch of people that their intent is in no way sexual, but they would be put on the registry list. Who's actually been put on this list yeah. for not even sending their nudes because you mentioned okay like you haven't done anything like that in your life i certainly fucking have i definitely Mm -hmm. have as a as a minor but i'm talking about i i remember when i started working out when i was younger i took photos of myself in like my underwear uh, to see how my body would change over time from you know from lifting weights and stuff is is that gonna get me on a registry um the thing is as well that when you think about it of, okay, you didn't send it to someone, so how would they find it? It would mean that Mm. someone would see it on your phone. Mm. So somebody would have had to report people for having personal photos on their phone. Mm. So, like, there's a whole nother level of, like, intrusion of privacy and shit going on there as well. And it's very common, especially with minors, because a lot of adults don't think that minors should have privacy. Yeah. So so that I think that's probably what's happened in the past of say teachers or people in authority being like show me what's on your phone and be like this is pornography or you know like whatever. Mm. Like and don't get me wrong I wasn't being like oh I would never it's just I have body dysmorphia so I literally mm. would never because I'm disgusted with myself. No, <laughs> so, yeah. so like I, I wasn't I being judgy or anything. It's very upsetting actually like the the way that they have made this sex offenders registry and the way that they would have sold it to begin with would Mm. have been like, we're trying to protect the children. And Mm. at the end of the day, it's, it's like any other fucking like widespread law where it's literally just to control the populace. Yeah. It's it's really upsetting. It sort of feels like, especially with news coming out of America, that that's, you know, every, it's the right over there because they're the liberals and, but here, no, wait, sorry, for those who don't know. Here, yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah, where the right side on America is our liberals and the liberals are their left side over there. Yeah. So anyway, yeah. <laughs> they're, well, they're right. It, it sort of feels like every other fucking day they're like, we're doing this for the kids. We're checking people's yeah. genitals for the kids. Where <laughs> It feels like everything, every shitty decision that comes out of people wanting to pass new laws comes out of the, the rights mouths as we're doing this to protect the children, but then those children end up on sex registry lists because yeah. there's sex a- offender lists, I should say. There's a really good episode, we can discuss this later, but I think it would be good to later on look at the best old episodes Mm -hmm. um, for you to see some of them because some of them are really good. There's one in particular that was based on a true story of this girl who had sent her nudes to her boyfriend, Mm -hmm. but she had accidentally sent it to someone else and so all the photos got out. Mm, I've seen this episode, yeah. Yeah, and but at the same time, like the B plot of that story was that her boyfriend was actually really abusive to her, and mm. to get her to agree to going to counselling and to get help for the domestic abuse, they charged her with disseminating pornography to like get her to talk, and yeah. they weren't actually going to charge her properly, and they dropped the the charges once she agreed to like seek help, but the mm. judge sent her to juvie for 
for sending and then it, it then the third act turned out to be this thing that actually happened which is that the judge was getting kickbacks for sending children to mm. juvie because by sending them to juvie the government gives them more money for the jail so that oh, was an act it was like a cash for kids thing that happened for yeah. real america and it was happening uh, in a few different places but that was a really interesting one and i'd really like to cover that one so in the future we'll, we might see if we can maybe like cover some of the more batshit cra <laughs> crazy mm. episodes from the past oh, i'm looking forward to it so moving on from that because <laughs> that, yeah, was, sorry, that a was a lot that was a big detour yeah, that was a bit of a detour. It's, it's also because the actual thing that happened isn't that long as well, so I thought I'd add that in. So Olivia talks to Ella, and Ella is sus with her responses. Like, she did really well at just being a bad actor mm. and, and takes little to no cajoling to blame Cordova or Diego of being the man who impregnated her. But Olivia, like, catches on straight away and asks her how they got to Cordova's house, and Ella says that he drove her which he obviously couldn't do because he said that he couldn't drive a car because of his mm. balance issues. Olivia notices a dried bouquet of flowers, which Ella insists she got for herself, but the note says otherwise. Ella is delusional and says the man she's going to marry is rich and she's going to be his princess. Olivia and Amaro track down the swanky flower shop where the flowers were sent from. Again, Amaro charming his way through after Benson is a surly mess. They find <laughs> out the flowers were paid by Ambassador Andrew Rains. They consult with Cragen before going any further because, as Finn refers to them, as the New York royal family. Mm. Cragen doesn't buy it, especially because Andrew Rains is about to announce for his dad's old Senate seat. Cragen gives a little speech about how it's been a rough time for NYPD and the DA's office. Like, I know he's talking about the stuff with Elliot, um, mm. but it's funny because it's never a good time for the NYPD yeah. <laughs> because they keep fucking up. Benson and Amara go to the Rains family. Their housekeeper assumes they're there for Trip the Sun. Amaro charms his way again into the house. Benson tries to talk to Andrew Rains by himself, but he says they have no secrets with his wife, which in light of what we find out later, I'm going to call a big honking lie. Yeah. <laughs> his wife, Kathleen, is dismissive that it's just because An Andrew is about to announce. They explain mm -hmm. the Ella situation and both of the Rains are very dismissive. Rollins and Finn go to talk to Trip. This kid, man, like, I don't know if this is what they were going for, but you just want to punch this fucking kid. Yeah. Like, he is a douchebag. Utter douchebag. So, yeah, that kid's a douche. Like, I don't know mm. if he, if the kid is actually a douche, but he plays a douche well because you get, fuck, you just wanted to punch that kid. Mm. Trip has a bodyguard who used to be police. Benson calls him a sophisticated player. Yeah, weird choice <laughs> of words for a 13-year-old. I mean... It's it's a weird choice for a thirteen year old, but also the kid's a bumbling douchebag. Yeah. <laughs> like, <laughs> like it just it was weird. Benson and Amara go to talk to Ella and they find their grandmother trying to force Ella into a town car to get an abortion that Trip has paid for. Ella finally tells Olivia the truth. She went to a party at Trip's house because Arturo was invited. We find out Arturo's mom used to be the Rain's housekeeper. Trip drugged Ella and raped her and made her take the bus home. She thought everything was okay because he sent her flowers the next day. Mm. Olivia and Benson want to move forward with charging Trip for the raping of Ella, but Novak is hesitant. This is another one of those that we spoke about in the first episode of the inconsistent witness. Once they tell one lie... It seems mm. like they are forever tarnished, according to the NYPD. Mm. So Novak says that she doesn't want to charge 
Trip because of Ella's inconsistency, because Trip has no prior acts, and because the legal team that he would get would be fucking insane. Mm. So, okay, so this was Novak that said this. Yes. Uh, so in my in my notes, I have Cabot said this. Oh. But can we like in the first episode, which we were talking about, was it was it Cabot or Novak that went to the Congo? Cabot. Cabot. Okay. All right. So, because in my notes, what I have is I don't get why now it's Novak. She was so keen to pursue Miriam, but it, that was actually Cabot. So okay. So yeah. this is not. Re- so this is not related at all. What a great podcast you're running talia (laughs) good job all right (laughs) yeah different person novak yeah um but i think it does do a good contrast of Mm. the fact that novak is very staunchly no we can't do anything about this because she's been inconsistent whereas cabot because she had all of that compassion from her trip to the congo was very much like we need to believe everything she says because mm. Cabot so, had that whole, com- uh, yeah, it was Cabot had that whole conversation. We can't let powerful people know that they can just, you get know, away tell with whatever. They yeah, want. yeah, and and I suppose that's why I picked up on it. Other than the fact that I thought Cabot and Novak were the same person, <laughs> uh, was that because Novak in this episode was just like, no, we can't do it. They're too powerful. And here's me thinking. But, but lady, just a few episodes ago, you, you know, like, oh, anyway. <laughs> well, I guess it makes more sense now. <laughs> yeah, it sure does. I, I was so ready to be like, Dick Wolf, your characters are inconsistent, but no, I can't. Within like not. three episodes. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, they are, but like, mm. just not in this case. <laughs> no, no. <laughs> um, I'll, 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 I'll take the L on this one, Dick <laughs> So Olivia says that it took a long time to get Ella's trust and Novak says I'm sure it did and <laughs> Olivia's like what the hell is that supposed to mean and Amaro just like okay bye guys um, um, but then Talia said what the hell does that mean because I didn't get that I didn't understand that comment at all you haven't gotten a taste of Olivia the way she was before Elliot left mm. Olivia in this season she comes in guns blazing and is a complete fucking asshole <laughs> <laughs> she's like surly as shit and she is i mean the way that they say it in this conversation is that novak notices that olivia is not doing her job like she used to and mm-hmm. she calls her out for it amaro leaves he's like, like see you later guys like i'm not getting involved <laughs> with this because obviously there was like starting to fight novak says something along the lines of you're off you're off your game or whatever and that she mm-hmm. basically pushed ella to disclose olivia in the past would have been much softer with her and just kind of let her disclose on her own whereas uh olivia in this season is very much (laughs) like tell me what you've done like tell me (laughs) like the teacher nun at the beginning like what have you done she just wants to get to the bottom of it but she's kind of lost the finesse and they want to imply that it's because elliot left and she's struggling and novak notices and that's what she calls out of like yeah i bet it took you a long time to earn her trust because you're off your game and that's why she's like what the hell does that mean and um, okay that makes way more sense now because i did not know where that was coming from uh and yeah like you said it is probably because i am essentially starting from episode not episode uh from season 13 so i yeah. yeah i don't have as much as much to compare to i suppose yeah 
Yeah, yeah. This only, as soon as she becomes mates with Amara, it, it's fine. I think she just <laughs> needs that, like, codependency bullshit. Yeah. All of this is, is basically just pointing out that she's just off at this time. Mm. All right. So at the end of that, fight olivia blames novak of being afraid to go after the reigns family and mm-hmm. that the da's office have, have lost their nerve which... oh is this when she then then she goes and kicks uh, <laughs> a vending, vending machine, machine? yeah yeah <laughs> yeah she's like really pissed off at a vending machine <laughs> which is funny again because that's the sort of shit that elliot used to do mm. so again like i don't know if that was on purpose or not but it's funny that she's being aggressive like Elliot was. So she's angry that Novak isn't going to file charges, but Amaro uh, rocks up to her and uh, has the idea to visit the reins under the guise that the DA is considering filing charges to have a bit more time with Trip and see if they can get his side of the story. The reins are super defensive and say Ella is making it all up, but they manage to cajole a five-minute time frame with Trip. While Andrew goes to get Trip, Kathleen Reigns threatens Amaro and Benson. Mm. Andrew comes down saying Trip must be out, but Kathleen is visibly shook. No one can find Trip overnight, but no one has reported him missing. Novak comes into the station the next morning with the news that the Reigns lawyer called the DA about Trip being charged. Olivia is snarky as shit. <laughs> uh, Kathleen Reigns comes in because she's genuinely worried about her son being missing. She says her and Andrew have no secrets. A uh, bit of a side eye there. Mm. She tr- she tried to tries to paint him as a good kid despite, you know, raping a girl and being a general douche canoe. So the team checked Tripp's phone that they found and found that Tripp and Arturo talked on the day that Tripp went missing. Amaro and Olivia go see Arturo and find out that Arturo and his mom used to live at the Reigns house and that Arturo spoke to Tripp the day before. Arturo's mom is fucking laying it on thick about how good Kathleen Reigns is despite letting Andrew laying it thick on her. <laughs> oh god, I wrote that. Just laughing at my own fucking jokes. If you, uh, so the actual sentence I wrote here is, despite Andrew laying it on thick on her, if you know what I mean. <laughs> Jesus. Uh, so the actress who plays Arturo's mom is called Judy Reyes. She's um she's from Scrubs, and she plays it so weird in this episode. Like for the rest of the episode, she's kind of blank. Arturo and Trip were born a month apart. There's a super clunky exposition about the boys playing cowboys and Indians, and that's how they find Trip dead because they go to the place where they used to play cowboys and Indians when they were little. Mm-hmm. They also get a hit on Trip's credit card from a bar that is known a gate like a known as a gay joint they find the dude who's using trip's credit card but he says he just found the credit card in the park they go looking for trip in the park and find his body in a scene that is more graphic than usual especially when it comes to kids yeah yeah that was a weird one the press go nuts and are focusing more on the fact that trip was found in a gay cruising area of the park than that he was like 13 Mm -hmm. Andrew makes the ID and is more focused on telling the detectives that his son wasn't gay. Amaro and Benson ask Andrew if there might be anyone angry at Trip, and his dad paints Trip out to be great, even though the kid was a douchebag. Mm-hmm. They ask him about Arturo, and Andrew calls Arturo weak and slow in the same sentence as he mentions that Trip was an athlete and a star. Again, how, where? Yeah. Like I don't, I don't know if they miscast this kid or whatever, but this kid was such a dingleberry. Like he's just, I don't. <laughs> 
I don't get it. Anyway, and that Arturo and his mum left his house because of an, of immigration issues. They check and Arturo and his mum have no immigration issues and received a bunch of money and a buy-in in a co-op around the time she left the Reigns house. They kind of realise altogether that the settlement was not severance, but it was child support. They have Arturo and his mum in the scary concrete interview room of doom. They managed to get the truth out of Arturo. Trip called Arturo to bring Ella to the park. Arturo brought her. She thought she and Trip were going to run away together, but Trip just wanted to know why she hadn't gotten the abortion and started calling her names. Then Trip turned on Arturo and blamed him for everything because Arturo had brought Ella to the party. Trip tried to buy Arturo off to make Ella get an abortion, and Arturo says to the detectives, you can't just pay people money and pretend they don't exist, alluding to the fact that that's exactly what his dad mm. had done. And Amaro says, you mean like Tripp's father paid you and your mother to go away? The mum is shook, but like unusually calm still. Like she just kind of glares at Amaro, but she doesn't say anything. Mm. Arturo admits that he hit Trip with a rock and then hit him multiple times while telling Ella to run. They never speak of Ella again, despite that she was the main character at yeah. the beginning of this episode. Arturo also reveals that he knows he's Andrew Reigns' son because he heard his mum and Andrew going at it. So Arturo managed to get a home paternity test. And again, his mum is like super chill during this whole, <laughs> this whole like outburst. They tell Arturo to talk to the mirror for some fucking reason. Because <laughs> like Andrew's on the other side, but instead of putting them in the same room or they're like, just talk to him. And he's just talking to his own reflection. Andrew's in the other side of the mirror with Kathleen. And she says, what did you do? <laughs> that I think this episode should have been called, what did you do? Because there was like two other instances of that <laughs> fucking episode. <laughs> it didn't mean any, anything, says Papa Reigns. But Arturo mentions he had heard his mom and Andrew Reigns in bed together that same year after New Year's. Kathleen walks out. Everyone is sobbing Dick Wolf. Oh, boy. Mm, good job. Kyle McLaughlin has played a different character before. Um, yeah. in SVU. Um, I only know this because my husband was sure that I'd shown him like a meme of McLaughlin in SVU shooting a child. <laughs> um, so, I, so I spent the whole episode like waiting for him to shoot a kid. <laughs> Which kid is he going to shoot? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, that episode he was a psychiatrist that specialised in children's psychology and in the episode is saying that children can't be diagnosed as psychopaths. Mm. But there's a kid that kills his son and the kid is all fucking creepy about it and he realises that he did it on purpose and he ends up shooting him. Mm. And then he gets put on trial and they use his old academia proving that he does believe that children can be psychopaths, like that he's written papers about it. Mm. This is Future V editing this episode. Just letting you all know this episode in particular has been strung together with a lick and a hope because our recording software decided to shit itself and did not record full chunks of dialogue. It did, however, record like five minutes of Talia clinking a glass and munching on snacks while I went to check on my kid at one point, so thanks for that. There is a bit here where we start discussing psychopathy in children and our psychologist in training, Talia, clears some things up for us. I mean, not any personality disorder, but the the ones like sociopathy and psychopathy that you cannot, I'm fairly sure that's a, a global thing. You can't yeah. diagnose them before before they turn 18 and even then they have to have had like pre-diagnosis. Like history, yeah. Yeah, and, but like you literally have to, like as a kid, have to have been diagnosed, I think, with either oppositional defiant disorder or another 
similar disorder that is it's essentially like psychopathy light yeah yeah it's a it's a bookmark Mm. yeah so that episode has to do with that and he is pushing that that you know children can't be diagnosed with that or whatever and but the kid that that killed his son is all like apologetic and stuff and then there's a point where he turns around and just smiles at him Mm. and he's like distraught and he's like oh god oh my god oh my god he's 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 a sociopath and he grabs a security guard's gun and shoots Mm. him in the courthouse (laughs) like just shoots him down and then um and then they try him for it and they're like they bring out his book saying that that children can't be diagnosed with that or whatever and so he like gets off Mm. Like, he doesn't get charged. And then at the end, I think Elliot asked, did you... Because he he claims that he went, like, he saw black and then he can't remember what he did. But at Mm. the end, he's just like, yeah, I knew. (laughs) He's like, yeah, I I did it. But they can't charge him again because of double jeopardy. And Elliot's Mm. like, oh, fuck. And then it ends. But yeah, that's a good episode too. But yeah, like, not that long before that, like, maybe like four four or five years between these episodes. Interesting. Um, Because Carl Godwin... Is definitely one of those actors where I'd be like, you, you, you don't forget that that he, he was on, yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. There was um, because I've, I've been watching season twenty four of SVU, and mm-hmm. there was a character that, so no, there was an actor that comes back, and he's supposed to be the husband of someone big in the show. And you're like, wait a second, that's the guy that left his family and he wanted to get with Rose McGowan and she was fucking her brother and he kills her brother. Like, it was like a huge story. And I'm just like, wait, that's that same guy. And it's the dad from My So-Called Life, the the series with Claire Danes. It's the dad from that. (laughs) Anyway, (laughs) watch too much TV. Um, So... Just quickly, this this won't take long. I mean, we we went off about the <laughs> the sex offenders registry list, but mm. the what this episode is actually based on is the Schwarzenegger love child thing. So Joseph Baena was born to Mother Mildred Baena, and she was the Schwarzenegger's housekeeper. Joseph is now like in his twenties, and he's following in his dad's footsteps because he's a bodybuilder and an actor as well. Mm-hmm. But unlike the episode, once all of this was found out, Arnold actually has a healthy relationship with him. And because he did speak about it, like he got asked about it and he did speak about it. He said that just he's really upset by what he did, you know, the usual mm. bullshit. But he's just like, but there's no reason my son should suffer for for anything. Well, it's that's like nice. Yeah, so he he like brought him into his family, and he's he's got four kids with Maria Shriver and one kid with this woman, and he treats all his kids equally. So that's well, well, that is nice. Yeah. That is you know, like you said, it's uh, he's he said that he's not happy with himself for doing what he did. Uh, whether or not that's true, we don't know. But the yeah. fact that he is prioritizing his children over you know his. <laughs> I suppose if we if we liken it to this episode, you know, his career, that's a good thing. Yeah, yeah, they seem to be happy. Mm. So, I mean, yeah, like, uh, I guess the, the best possible scenario. And my last note is literally Carl McLaughlin on episode two of season five, Psychiatrist. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah. Yeah, okay. So, do you have anything else to add about this episode? No, I I know I, I I have a lot of notes for the next episode, but uh, yeah, the, the next last episode. Ma- is that shit. 
But, I mean, we've already uh, recorded about an hour. So I think, I mean, yeah. I know that most of that was about mm, sex registry. But, um, <laughs> you know, we, I think we did good. Yeah. Well, we are uh, heinously yours. <laughs> and we shall <laughs> you shall hear our dulcet tones next week. <laughs> we both sound sick as fuck and it's hilarious. <laughs> hey oh no wait no we go heinously yours. Be in time. <laughs> like gossip girl XOXO. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs>